do you know what time it is? It's supernatural story time. And if you're easily scared, and even if you're not, there's only one thing left to do. Just turn off the lights, because these are stories that you listen to only in the dark. Stories for Dark and Stormy Nights, Volume 4, Story Number 1. This happened some time ago in Polo Park Mall in Winnipeg, Canada. I was living in Manitoba at the time, helping my uncle in his restaurant. It was a small restaurant, so it was family-run. And since I had always wanted to try my hand at cooking, they needed one more person for the summer, so I was like, I'll do it. Anyway, me and my cousins went to Winnipeg one day while I was out there. They had an appointment at the Polo Park Dental Center. While they were at the dental center, I decided to just walk around the mall to kill some time. I ended up going to the restroom. Now, this is where it got super weird. The restroom was small, so it only had one stall and one or two urinals. I was in the stall. Now, someone came in and tried opening the stall I was in, but it obviously being occupied, they stood there waiting. But during the time he's waiting, he starts talking to someone. Like loud and clear, I can distinctly hear them talking to people, just chatting away. I didn't pay much attention. It was a little odd to have such a loud and intense conversation in the restroom, but oh well, each to his own. So when I left the stall to my shock, as I opened the door, the conversation stopped. And get this, there was only one person there, a wide-eyed older gentleman, wearing this old suit and his hair in about every direction except down. So I went to the sink to wash my hands, slightly disturbed, but I assumed the second person had just left the restroom very quickly. But then the elderly man went in and closed the door. And guess what? Immediately the conversation continued. Once again, two distinct voices were talking, having a full-blown conversation. I didn't stick around, left the restroom very quickly. I've never encountered something quite like that before. I've had other encounters, but this, this was different. Story number two. I was working with my research team late one night when we realized that we needed to go grab something from our lab a couple of buildings over. I drew the short straw so I headed over to our lab at around 1 a.m. Now, I go to Virginia Tech and our lab happens to be located on the exact floor of the building that the infamous shooting took place in. You know, the floor where 31 people were murdered in cold blood. The 32nd victim was shot on the residential side of the campus. I tried not to think about this as I went into the lab to get our missing equipment. I had eerie vibes the whole time, but I wasn't completely spooked until the door to the lab closed unexpectedly. I tried to turn the handle, but it wouldn't budge. As soon as I realized I was trapped and had that oh shit moment, the lights cut out. Frantically, I called the rest of my team for help on my phone. When I hung up, I felt a finger touch my lips in the shh hand gesture. I have never been more scared in my life. It felt like I was reliving someone hiding from the shooter in our small lab space. My team arrived a couple of minutes later and the door opened without issue. I must have looked insane to them because everything stopped a few moments before they entered the building. I made them live text me the entire time. I never went into Norris alone again and never after 10 p.m. I wonder which one of the victims was trying to keep me safe that night. Next story. I work nights at a convenience store and I'm usually there alone from 10 p.m. to midnight. 
we have a chime on the door that lets me know when customers enter so I'm free to go to the back and grab stock, change sodas, etc. The store was empty and I was like, okay, cool, gonna go check on my ice and soda bibs. I was back there for a good five minutes and heard no door chime, but then heard a loud bang, like the cupboard slamming, and what sounded like a man coughing or clearing his throat. I ran out like, was somebody in here? And the store was empty. A few minutes later, a co-worker who lives close but off the clock came in to get a soda and I had her check all the areas anyone could be hiding in the store with me and it was empty. No door chime of anyone leaving either. It's in the oldest part of town and this area has a big history of mining and a lot of paranormal activity. I believe the restaurant down the street was actually featured on one of those ghost hunter shows. It's really made me creeped out from night shift because I can never stop thinking about it. Next story. I used to be a bartender at the Barbie Hotel for a few years. I still hop out there every once in a while. I will absolutely not work a closing shift there where I am the last one in the building. To give a brief background, this hotel used to be visited by old Hollywood actors and actresses and mobsters like Dillinger. It's now a three-story building, a restaurant on the bottom floor, sports bar on the second floor, and seven hotel rooms remain on the top floor for bookings. On top of the numerous stories from our customers and overnight guests, this is my most vivid encounter. It was daylight around 11 a.m., and I was getting ready to open the bar up for Sunday lunch. The only other person in the whole building was the bar manager as he was doing liquor inventory. He was on the second floor, and I was walking down the stairs to the ground floor to get some silverware out of the kitchen. As I come through the entrance to the restaurant, I looked across the dining area and I clearly saw a man's leg and dress slacks and dress shoes walking up the opposite stairway closer to the top so I couldn't see the upper part of his body anymore. I called out hello with no answer. Mind you, all doors are locked from the outside. No one can get inside without the manager or myself letting them in. So I went up to the second floor and asked the manager who he had visiting him and why he was just walking around the dining room and he said he didn't have anyone else with him that it was just him and me i explained that i clearly saw someone walking up the banquet area so he agreed to go into the banquet door and tells me to go down through the dining area and back up the other stairwell and we will catch the persons since there is no other way out i reluctantly agreed and headed on my way i walked down the first stairwell across the dining room and back up the other stairwell when I got to the top, I saw the manager on the other side. He had come through the other locked door. There was no one else in that room. We checked the bathrooms, the entire downstairs, the entire upstairs. Not one other physical body in the building besides us. And that's why I refused to be in that building alone ever again. Next story. I work as a handyman for a small real estate company. They have apartments and houses we take care of and manage. Our cleaning guy, our office, took a vacation, so they had me cleaning at night. No big deal. Well, one day I had my music playing downstairs in the washroom next to the restrooms. For some reason, I went upstairs and I heard my boss's wife call out and said hi and my name. I headed back down the hallway towards the stairs to lower my music. Went downstairs and no one was there. I called my boss and asked if they were in the building, 
They said they were home. Of course, okay. Kind of freaked out. Thought, what the hell? And decided to check the cameras. Two ladies leaving an office late downstairs around the time I heard my name being called. I felt a little relieved. I watched the cameras again and realized the timing was way off. Like 10 seconds off. When I turned to say hi back and when the workers opened the door to leave the office. I got out of there right away. Let's face it, it called my name. In my boss's wife's voice, that place was built on an old motel where a lot of prostitution, murder, and lonely death misery took place. I started cleaning way earlier. Later, my boss's sister found an old Ouija board behind our dumpster. Next story. Last year, I worked overnight shifts at a homeless shelter. This one was a little isolated and had some really tall, creepy trees around it. I'd been working at the shelter for a few months and nothing creepy had happened until one night. I was looking at the security cameras and something caught my eye on the camera facing the back outside. I caught the last few seconds of something dashing off camera. It was big and lanky and its proportions were wrong. Long arms, long legs, small torso, large head and ears. We were supposed to do property checks every hour and go out and go around the grounds and check. No one did them. Our boss the next morning didn't ask questions. The staff replacing us didn't ask questions. This would happen every so often. Someone would see or hear something. Some of my co-workers won't do the property checks at all and would have another person do it or do it together. They never talked about it. Next story. I used to be a supervisor doing trauma scene cleanup work. This was going back about 20 years. We used to do everything from suicides, homicides, unattended deaths, explosions, fires, and accidents. Being on 24-hour call, we would get emergency calls at all hours. One night, it was past midnight, we got a call of a fire at a house. While the fire was already put out, but we were called to go remove debris from public view, board up the property, and make sure there was nothing unsafe. It was reported that the family suffered multiple deaths in the fire, so we had to make sure the scene was secure for investigators. Once we arrived, the house was at the end of a cul-de-sac. It was a large two-story house in a nice neighborhood. My partner and I got to work right away. Our first objective was to board up the openings cut by the firefighters. Inside, it was very dark because, like every fire, the electricity is cut off. We normally carried old six-volt lanterns, we also carried a hammer, hatchet, and our work belts. The inside was still very hot from the fire, and there was debris everywhere. My partner, Jay, was a big football player type of guy, so I always knew if we were ever ran into trouble, we'd have each other's back. We started boarding up a large sliding door in the back of the house, just off the kitchen. We both kept stopping and looking around. We did this without expressing to each other, until we glanced at each other and said, did you see that? What we were seeing were shadows moving behind us, but as soon as we turned around or flashed our mag lights over, nothing was there. We started working at a faster pace while still looking over our shoulders. That is, until we heard a noise from upstairs. Now, you have to understand, it's not uncommon for kids or people to be inside unattended burned structures, sometimes for curiosity, sometimes to see what they can steal assuming that we would either confront kids or some bum trying to steal from this family we grabbed our lights and hammers in hand and went upstairs 
we cleared each room starting in the room closest to the top of the stairs. He would enter the room and I would stay in the hallway and we would switch off, eventually coming to the bathroom at the end of the hall and just thought, okay. We heard settling noise from the fire. After all, most of the roof and ceiling were gone, just rafters above. The fire was so devastating that most of the upstairs was almost burnt off from about midway up the wall to the roof. We made our way back downstairs and started working on another window when once again we heard another noise from upstairs. It didn't sound like settling, but like if someone was dragging something and with footsteps. We continued working until we heard the noises again from upstairs and sounded like a door closing. We both were like, okay, let's go. We went back upstairs and searched room to room, closets, under beds, every inch of space a human could be. Nothing. We go back downstairs and continue working, still hearing noises from upstairs and still seeing shadows around us. Our last task was to secure the front door. All the openings that needed boarding up downstairs were secure, so we shut the front door and began to secure it, when all of a sudden someone started banging on the door from the inside. I turned to Jay, and he's already running to our truck, as I grab our stuff and run after him. By the time I reached the truck, he was already backing out of the driveway. I jumped in, and we were driving about a mile down the road, when I yelled over to him that the back roll-up door is still open. And he says, forget it, I'm not stopping. There were other times that I had experiences that were not scary, but yeah, in a way they were. Most of my other trauma scenes were graphic, but for example, one suicide I went to while we were cleaning up the room in which the father shot himself in the head with a 45. The family was all in the backyard having a party, like with laughing and music. It was surreal that the sights didn't match the sounds, meaning we were removing drywall that had skull fragments and brain tissue embedded on it while what sounded like a birthday party was going on outside. I was taken back, but one of my guys couldn't handle it and he went out to the truck and broke down. There was another suicide. A guy had killed himself in the same room that his brother killed himself one year earlier. Also, their father killed himself in the same house years prior. The mother had moved out to the garage in what looked like a makeshift converted apartment. She was somewhat grieving, but mostly looked scared. She said that the house was full of demonic spirits and she refused to live in the house, which is why she stayed in the garage. Lastly, as we were cleaning up the scene, we had to remove the drywall from the wall, not because of embedded skull or tissue, but because the sun had written all over the wall in his blood. We thought it best just to remove the drywall and carpet instead of cleaning. Next story. I was working in a nursing home when these happened. They're two separate stories. The first one was about a guy who had the memory span of about 10 seconds. He'd come up and ask which room was his. We'd reply, room 300, Bob. And he'd wander off towards 300. Stop when he saw someone and ask him where his room was. They'd reply, room 300, Bob. And he'd start heading there again until he saw someone else. This was all day. He'd forget where his room was standing in front of it. Walk inside, not recognize anything, leave the room and ask where his room was. It was so common we'd answer while still walking. We'd smile and point, but we'd keep going, and he was fine with that. Anyway, smiling, always wandering. The nurse's station would be filled with us, filling out books and saying, Room 300, Bob. He was a sweet guy. Then he passed away one day. We cried. We missed Bob. 
I came to work on night shift about a week later. I was walking down the hall with co-workers as we were doing rounds together. We both clearly heard him shout to us from the other side of the nurse's station. Where's my room? We replied, room 300, Bob, before we realized what happened. We stopped, turned around, and went back to the nurse's station to find our nurse peering around the corner confused as you know what, asking, who said that? This happened for a while. The next story was in another nursing home. It was on night shift too. We were having a storm come through so I was doing extra rounds to make sure everything was okay and everybody was okay. No one was freaking out or trying to escape because the tornado's coming or anything like that. I worked in the dementia ward. One guy didn't want to stay in bed so I got him up and gave him a bowl of cereal. It was his favorite midnight snack and he'd sleep until about 5 a.m. after that so it was our nightly routine when I worked. I wandered off to check my other nightly wanderers, but she was happily tapping her headboard and talking about the man she liked, so I tippy-toed out and walked back to check on my cereal guy. We had dome mirrors on the ceiling, so I could see around corners before I got to them. I would always check to make sure he didn't move into the living room before I headed to the dining room. I looked at it, and there he is talking to a little girl in a white Victorian-style nightdress. White socks black or dark blue slippers, long dark hair in a braid, just taller than the table. I can hear him, but not what he's saying and what her reply was. She then looked up at the mirror, saw me, and ducked down under the table. So, I'm thinking someone brought their kid to work, and they managed to somehow get into the lockdown unit. I was confused, but whatever, it happens. I rounded the corner and looked under the table. Nothing. I looked at my guy and say, how's your cereal, bud? He said it's fine, but says I should leave because I scared her off. I asked who she was, and he said he didn't know, but she wanted cereal too. He was going to share, but I scared her off. I ended up calling for support to help me. Forget that. She was seen by several other people, always in the dining room, always in that gown. There was also a lady in a nightgown and nightrobe that we would see in the mirror going into the middle room. What can I say? It was freaky. Next story. Now, I was working as a fire safety advisor for a local fire department on a location movie shoot. That is the building itself is the Woodbury House in Altadena, California. Part of my responsibility was to ensure site safety, electrical safety, and workplace safety. One of the duties I did was to perform a site survey and walk the entire perimeter and assess the contents of the house itself to see if there's any potential issues that would cause an injury. There was a very heavy feeling from the time that I got into that house. Mind you, I'm not a sensitive and I don't project myself as being sensitive to feeling dead people around me. I start in the basement which is very creepy and it has a narrow stone laden pathway that curves to the left all the way down a full story with a dirt bottom floor. I then made my way up to the various stories of the house via the stairs, which there were a total of three occupied floors and the attic made it four floors. While I was making my way up the stairs to the attic, I could immediately sense that something was watching me. As I came around the first turn to enter the attic through a door, this is a fully upright attic that you could walk through with floors and everything. I saw right in front of me a smallish shadow figure about waist-high dart across on the furthest wall of the house 
going from my right to my left. The movement was so fleeting that before I had realized what I just saw, it was gone. I immediately felt lightheaded and told myself I need to get some air. I also came to the conclusion to keep this incident to myself. I mean, people look up to me as a technical advisor for scene safety. They don't need to believe I have lost the screw somewhere by seeing ghosts or shadows. I made it outside finally and took a long deep breath. Whew, I said that was heavy. Two women, makeup artists I think, were talking on an adjacent wall. Their attention was drawn to me and one queried, Wow, you look as though you saw a ghost. I couldn't deny it. I replied, Yes, I think one ran right in front of me, up in the attic. They both looked at each other, then the house, and then me again in astonished fear. They said nothing more, but they fully believed what I had experienced. Well, I thought, dodged the bullet there. I said, nor was asked about the shadow. Kid, I thought, because of the height, figured by anyone else that day. The owner, Kay, had shared with me some unexplained happenings that occurred in the house. For example, there was a housekeeping crew that came in and would routinely hear the vacuum go off and on or move. They also would hear footsteps and the sounds of like people moving around on the floor above them. When I was walking around with the owner, I noticed two items that of immediate concern to me. The first one was a Ouija board that she had laid out on the table. I asked her where she got this from and she told me that she picked it up at an antique store locally. I told her to return it immediately to that antique store. The only way that you can get rid of the Ouija board is to have somebody else accept the board from you. I told her that would probably help her with a lot of the activity that was in the house right now because there may be attached energy to the board. Usually bad. The next item was towards the back of the house in a laundry type room. I observed a photograph of the original owner. Now, I don't cast aspersions to people that are dead. However, this person looked like the meanest, angriest person in the world. And you can be sure, he does not like all these people walking through his house. I told her to get rid of it, or to remove the picture to the outside and burn it or throw it away. And she did just that. Immediately it was evident that this owner didn't know what she was dealing with. This is one of the original houses in the neighborhood that we were filming at, and it's been there for over a hundred years. The original owner, I'm sure, was responsible for some of the ongoing things at the house, including scaring people, the noises upstairs, and the activity with the vacuum. It was learned later that his wife's mother lived and died in one of the most active rooms on the second floor. Next story. While in college, I worked at a popular retail store for two years. We had this store ghost named Ted, though Ted was more of an explanation for the electrical mishaps that occasionally happened. For example, the fitting room call buttons going off but no one being there, lights flickering in the break room or a beep that occurred over the walkies. We never thought of Ted as an actual spiritual being or as something serious. Well, one day I was working in the fitting rooms, which meant basically unlocking the fitting rooms, writing the customers' names on the fitting room doors, putting away go-backs, checking to see if the customers needed any other sizes, etc. It was a weeknight, right after the holidays, meaning that it was the slowest time of year, so we only had a few customers that night. It was about 15 minutes until closing, and a male customer came in wanting to try on two shirts. I let the customer into the fitting room, warned them that we were closing soon and to let me know if they needed any other sizes. There were no other customers in the fitting room, but when you zone to fitting rooms, you have to stay there 
while there's a customer unless they ask you for a size. This is to prevent stealing and to make sure no one locks themselves out in their underwear. You'd be surprised how often this happens. So I'm sitting there waiting for the customer to be done or ask for help for the next 10 minutes as all the go-backs are done and there's nothing to do. Five minutes until closing, my manager then calls on the walking. Close the fitting rooms. We've been dead for the past half hour, so you should be all cleared. Standing there knowing that I still have a customer in the fitting room, I responded. Actually, I still have a gentleman trying on clothes. There's a pause. Then a few of my co-workers chime in on the walkie stating that there literally hasn't been a soul in the store for a while. The fitting rooms are on the side of the store a bit secluded and you can only see the rest of the store if you step out of the room, so I couldn't attest to this. I stood by my claim knowing I let a customer into the fitting room about 10 minutes ago and they had not come out yet since I would have seen them. There's only one way to get in and out of that fitting room and they would have had to go past me. So out of curiosity, I decided to knock on the door that the customer was in. No answer. I knocked once more and then loudly stated that I was coming in since this sometimes happened and I would see customers getting changed because they didn't hear me the first time. Again, a lot more common than you would think. I unlocked the fitting room and it was empty besides for the two shirts that the customer had brought in to try on. There was no sign of the customer anywhere and I was positive the customer did not go past me. My co-workers claimed that I must have just missed them or was just tired. But the creepiest part was the name I had written on the door was Ted. Next story. Me and my old co-workers still talk about Fred after not working there for five plus years. I used to work overnight at a gas station in a small country town that was mainly plantations before modern day society. We had cold boxes, the drink fridges that wrapped around the back of the store with two entry points one from the stockroom and the other entrance near the public bathrooms. One night I was unloading the truck into the back freezer that was located in the cold box. I walked out of the freezer because I can't do extreme cold for too long or I'll get a migraine. Mind you the company switched to automatic lights to save money so if no movement is detected they'll turn off. It was about 2.30 a.m. one of our dead hours since our morning crowd didn't come in until 4.30 a.m. so I knew no one was opening the outside doors to the cold box to get a drink. Anyway, I stepped out of the freezer and I could see there was no one outside the doors when all of a sudden I start to hear whistling, like something Tiny Tim would have in his songs think tiptoe through the tulips. I immediately thought my co-workers were trying to play a trick on me so I called over the radio and told them to knock it off because it was weird. As I'm finishing this message, one by one the automatic lights come on as if someone was walking towards me and then the lights go out completely. Since I was in the freezer and not the cold box, the lights turned off since there was no movement detected. There's only one main switch for the lights in the cold box to stay on and it's on the wall near the door to go back through the stock room so you can turn it on or off before entering or exiting since we weren't supposed to use the exit near the bathroom unless for emergencies. I was the only one in the cold box so there was no way someone hit the lights. At this point I freaked out and ran out of the cold box through the stockroom past the coffee pots and into the deli where I found all my co-workers hanging out chit-chatting 
what we did when everything was basically done and waited for people to come in. They looked at me and they have one of those what's wrong with you look on their faces. I immediately started saying that they shouldn't play ticks like that because they knew I had a heart issue and too much can cost me to have a heart attack. At this point, they're like, what are you talking about? We've been standing here for the last 10 minutes. It's break time. We told you. I never heard anything on the radio, so I asked if they heard me tell them to stop whistling into the cold box. They all shook their heads. We stood there in silence for about 30 seconds until we heard the bell for the door opening. No one came in, but we brushed it off as the wind because sometimes it can make the door move and the bell go off. Still, not talking, we just looked around because we all got a weird feeling. And we noticed the automatic lights in the cold box go on the same way it did earlier, go completely off immediately. I started inching my way to the main office to watch the cameras thinking that maybe someone somehow got into the store and as soon as I turned away one of the coffee pots was slammed to the ground from where it was getting brewed. They aren't the little glass ones but big heavy thermal type pots that hold 24 cups of coffee so there's no way it just slipped. My co-workers just stopped and said something about Fred. I had no idea what or who Fred was. I was pretty new so I asked about it. They started laughing. I was confused as hell. So I asked again. My buddy, since I've, which I've known since the fourth grade, finally answered and said it was the store's ghost named Fred and he does this to all new people and proceeded to take his phone out to show me videos of previous encounters recorded from the security camera monitors. Some of the clips you see a shadow like a figure wander around from time to time. Eventually, I got used to it <clears throat> and asked Fred to leave me alone because I was always getting anxious over the thought of it possibly being a bad ghostly friend and I was afraid I'd be scared to death with one of his pranks. It stopped until we got a new person. I wish I still had some of the clips from what I've recorded as well, but I've been through five phones since then.